Hello everyone, my name's Jack Fernan and this is Exploring Existence, the podcast that looks at the teachings and practices of the world's religions through the lens of personal experiences. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Nick Farr-Jones, who is the former captain of the Australian rugby union team, the Wallabies. But perhaps more importantly, he's been a dedicated Christian for the last roughly 30 years of his life. As captain of the Wallabies, Nick led the team to win the 1991 World Cup against England. But our conversation focused on his Christian journey, and so we started off talking about growing up in a non-Christian household and coming to God as a young man. We then spoke about some of the lessons that Nick has learnt, both on and off the field throughout his career, and how the Word of God has given him the strength to achieve his best. Finally, we moved on to how Nick experiences God in his day-to-day life, and how he's continually striving to be more Christ-like. And so everyone, thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Nick, thanks very much for, for joining me today. Pleasure, um, Jack. I suppose when you do these things normally, you're talking about your rugby career and I suppose rugby in general. Um, but today we're more focusing on your Christian faith and your Christian um, journey. Um, but you weren't, always, you weren't always a Christian. Sort of growing up, you, you didn't really have much of a sort of active faith. Yeah, that's right, uh, Jack, and, and you're right. I mean, often you do talk about sport, but, you know, over the years, I mean, I'm gee, nearly 30 years retired, um, 27 years retired, so it's a long time ago that I put on a football boot. Um, and I'd like to think my life has been pretty varied and uh, extensive, you know, with four kids and, you know, 35 years of business. You're not um, just a one, one Yeah, no, sure. Well, people forget, you know, they say, what did you do after rugby? Uh, forgetting that, you know, when I played rugby, it was the amateur days. Yeah. And so, you know, I studied law at Sydney University. Um, I worked in a legal firm for 10 years. I then went on to join a French investment bank, which, you know, took Ange, my wife and I, and two young kids uh, to Paris for four years and um, and then you know, came back and ran the mining finance team for Societe Generale for 10 years. And the last decade I've been in funds management. So we invest and lend globally in the mining sector, um, which is fascinating. It's a great sector. So, you know, I've got a diverse family and, you know, life's been busy. So it's, there's been a lot into it. But you're right, you know, to answer your question, uh, I, I think I was very typical of an Australian kid growing up. Um, for me, it was Sutherland Shire of Sydney. So down in um, you know, Guymere and then Cronulla. Dad was a pharmacist, mum studied physiotherapy. I was the middle of three boys. And I think it was very typical of, of a young kid growing up in Australia, unless you come from a strong church-going Christian background, um, most people in the early years of life wouldn't really give a lot of consideration to God and, and you know Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I mean, those early years, uh, running into my brother's under the hills hoist uh, in the Shire. Um, life was very busy. You know, it was always outside. It was running into them under you know, the hills hoist, playing a million games. But yeah, it's just that I didn't have a, fa- a faith. We weren't church going. Mum and dad weren't believers. And, you know, we can say we live in a Christian country and, you know, we go to Christian schools and what have you. But, you know, I don't think you really get um, much interaction with the church and much interaction with aspects of spirituality. Um, growing up in the suburbs of, of Sydney or Australia. Did you, do you think that without that, did you ever get the feeling that there was something uh, missing? Or? No, I didn't. I didn't, Jack. I mean, my life, you know, my recollections of growing up were fantastic. You know, I love sport. I love all aspects of it. You know, I, I can recall sort of enjoying school. Um, Miranda Primary it was for me. And then at the age of 12, the folks put a straw hat on my head, put me on a train for three hours a day, sent me off to school at Stanmore, which was new in college. You know, I, I fitted in. I had a lot of great mates. Um, I think I was always pretty caring of people. I think I was always, you know, looking to support and help people. Um, so that came pretty naturally to me. Um, but no, I had a lot of good friends. I came from a fantastic family. Mum and dad are still with us, not so well. Um, but they're in their, their mid-80s. Um, they were extremely committed to me and my two brothers. I always thank them for giving me the chance to optimise and, you know, squeeze the lemon and get the drops out, whatever I decided to do. And as it turned out, on the sporting field, um, rugby became something that gave me the passport to the world and gave me the opportunity to play for my country, which I'm forever grateful for. But no, I had wonderful parents um, who, for me and my two brothers, you know, gave us every chance in life. Um, I think I studied pretty hard at school. Um, I loved my sport, as I said. So no, life was great. I, I was always busy. Um, we didn't have devices back then, so you know 
basically, as I said to you, it was always outside. I didn't sit in front of TV much. Um, but no, I really enjoyed life and I didn't feel any sort of gaps or any sort of need to search for God. But then again, you know, when I did hear, you know, sort of scriptural messages, I was always attentive. I was always interested. And, you know, I can recall going to Christian studies at Newington and, and being interested and, and, you know, wanting to talk about spiritual things. But it wasn't until, you know, I was sort of 16 or 17 years of age that I got invited along to a Baptist church um, by some pretty ladies. So that was the, <laughs> that was the sort of, that was the... the um, yeah, and then I kept going. And I met some really nice people and, you know, what we call in the Christian faith, agape love, unconditional love. They reached out to me and supported me. And, you know, my parents found it really strange that I kept on going back every Sunday to the Caring Bar Baptist Church uh, on the Kingsway. Um, they found it really peculiar when these people started to come home, you know, who they didn't know. And, <laughs> and, and they were Christian people who were helping me in my early, early walk. Um, but that's how I really sort of got into a deeper dive into, you know, the truths of the gospel and who Christ was and, you know, the whole concept of the truth of, um, you know, yeah, of the Bible. And, um, and, and then, you know, as Christians would know, you get moved by the Holy Spirit and the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah. Was there a time or a particular point where you really um, felt sort of encapsulated by the message that was being put I, to you? I can't remember a particular time. I mean, I, I do remember sort of probably the first time I you know, accepted an altar call or what have you. Um, but no, it was just, it was a gradual process. I mean, as they say, it's, of course, you know, nothing is impossible with God, but, and some people do just go along to one conference, go along to one, you know, sort of li listen to one speaker and, and do um, receive salvation in that one off. But, but typically, a Christian's experience is that they get half a dozen, maybe 10 interactions um, with church, with Christian people, with God, before they put up their hand and say, yep, I got it. Um, you know, I, I confess with my mouth, I believe with my heart, um, which is the Bible talks about to receive salvation. Um, and for me, I, I don't recall any sort of one-off sort of situation, but I do recall, you know, around about the ages of 18, 19, early years of university, being pretty full on um, in my faith and, and just having a great desire to share my faith with other people. Was that ever, I suppose, a hindrance for you? Was was there ever any sort of backlash to... No, I can't recall it. I mean, people often say, you know, was it difficult being a Christian and, you know, playing rugby or touring? I, I don't understand that. I mean, yeah. I, I no, I, I never... I can't recall ever being um, embarrassed about my faith. Um, certainly now at the age of 57, I don't really care what people think of me. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy, you know, to, to confess my faith, speak publicly, um, you know, go publicly in journals, on TV, whatever, um, you know, expressing my faith, uh, you know, I'm very proud of it. And um, I think if anything, um, you know, people should see that as a strength, not a weakness. Um, but no, I, I can't recall any times of being embarrassed by my faith, any times, um, you know, in the, you know, the hustle and bustle of, of rugby and the busyness of that and touring that it, it ever impeded you know sort of what I was about and what I did and the way I lived and and what have you I mean of course you know what the reason why a guy hung on the cross you know over 2,000 years ago is because we bugger up in life and I'm not perfect and you know one thing you you won't read in the bible is you know you, you're not going to sin again I mean that's why the guy hung on a cross and, and it's for the forgiveness of sins and at the end of the day you don't go out intentionally to sin but you know there were times when yeah I, I, I could have behaved better there's no doubt about that I think every Christian would say that um, any honest Christian would say that. Um, but at the age of 57, you know, again, it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, but I'm pretty proud of, you know, what I've achieved, what, sorry, what God's achieved through me um, in being able to touch people, in a, being able to be a blessing on people, in, in sort of reaching out to people and, and sharing my faith. And um, it, it's come in all forms. But at the end of the day, as the book of James talks about, it's not just speaking it, it's walking it out. And, and you know, I can say, and on my wife's behalf, Ange, that, that we've done okay at walking it out of, of being a blessing on other people. Yeah, because it's interesting, you were talking before about um, sort of coming to that point of salvation. Some people get it from one session at church, some people yep. get it from one preacher, some people it's 10, 15, 20 times. But that point of salvation is really the first step 
Absolutely. of the journey. No, I mean, Paul constantly talked about it. You know, the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you know, he always talked about despite the amazing life that he led and, you know, after his conversion, um, his dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. But but he never felt that he'd attained it until right at the end, you know. And he, he, he was, you know, in, in his writings in the New Testament, he talked about, geez, it'd be great to leave this world, you know, all the suffering, all the affliction that, that he that he sustained in in setting up the early church, in in writing all the letters and encouraging the the early believers. Um, you know, he talked about, yeah, it'd be great to go to heaven, but he said, no, I've still got work to do here. You know, I, I at the age of fifty seven, I'm confident the best years are in front of me. Yeah, I'm really confident because, you know, as you say, Christian journey is a journey. And it's a journey to become more Christ-like. And Paul talked always about that, you know, never being happy with where he was, always wanting to go after more, always wanting to to understand more of, of spiritual things, of getting a closer relationship, of becoming more Christ-like. And he encouraged, you know, all the early churches in his letters to the Ephesians and the Philippians and the Colossians. Um, you know, he, he would encourage them to to get a greater understanding of the depth of God's love. And, um, and, and, you know, understanding what that was in, in their lives. And, um, you know, to me, you know, it's great just to continue to read the gospel. I mean, I, I, I don't know anyone who would say I've, I've got all the truths of the gospel. Um, you know, I've got a great pastor and, and he constantly says, I'm amazed at what God continues to show me, even though I've read the book of Acts 200 times. <laughs> now I can still read it and, and God still reveals truths that I wasn't quite aware of before. And, and I think that's a fantastic thing, that revelation that comes from maturing as a Christian and the, you know, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Have you found in, in your sort of going on with that, have you found that there's, um, like what sort of things have you found developing in your understanding of faith through, through your time growing older and I suppose becoming more wider and having greater experiences? Yeah, look, I, I think it's it, it's trying to make sure in the busyness of life that you always find time. Um, you know, in tithing, which is giving to the church and gifts and what have you, you know, the Bible instructs us to, to tithe a portion of our income. I think it's really important, and this is where, you know, having this chat jacket gives me a good chance to reflect um, on sometimes where I'm let myself down because you know i can get up and talk in front of people and you know tell them how important it is to provide time to god and to to get into the word and spend time in meditation and prayer um and yet this week for me for example here we are on a saturday morning um this week for me has been extremely busy and i just haven't been spending that time and so it's a good opportunity for me to say you know i talked about tithing it's the first fruits of your of your income for me, it's important the first part of my day to give that to God, to spend time, you know, in the word, in meditation, in prayer, um, just thinking about people who have got needs, thinking about my family, thinking about where I could be more used by God. Um, and it's, you've got to carve out time, or I have to carve out time to let the Holy Spirit speak to me about areas in my life that have to change, areas that that where he wants me to spend more time, areas that he wants me spending more time in prayer and meditation and being active. If you don't stop in your day, if you don't spend time doing that, if you don't get on your own um, and spend some time on your own with God, then you, you just don't find that time to hear from the Holy Spirit. And you've got to spend that time. I have to spend that time. And, you know, it's just a good wake up call early this Saturday morning, just thinking about that and knowing that I've got to just change some priorities. Yeah. So have, have you, just on that, you've sort of felt almost a rebalancing of priorities? I constantly do, Jack. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a very, very busy life. I, I've got a lot of commitments. As I said, my folks aren't that well. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time with them, which is great. Um, you know, I've got a busy life here at work. I've got four kids. Um, church is active. Uh, I've got a lot of commitments. You know, I chair the board of Stand Tall, a non-for-profit, which my wife co-founded eight years ago we're going to have probably 12,000 kids coming to 
two consecutive days at the International Convention Centre in Darling Harbour um, for our big annual event. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes for that. I'll probably do my 11th annual Sports United lunch where I'll have 400 people again at the International Convention Centre. I'll have a chat with about seven or eight, um, you know, sort of very well-known sporting people and we'll raise a bunch of money for non-for-profits, for very worthy non-for-profits. I've raised over a million dollars in the last 10 years. So just organising all that and um, and then every other request that comes into life. And you know, I'm not saying that I don't like it. I love life. I love being busy. But yeah. it just reminds me of the importance of carving out time um, for the really important things. Going to your rugby career, I suppose we can't really not touch on it. I've always thought, and I'm not sure if you agree with this, that sport can be somewhat of a microcosm of the, the trials and tribulations of a life more generally. Um, and I suppose in rugby you can jam 80 years into 80 minutes and see how the game and life progresses. Were there any lessons that you learned from your Christian faith that you were able to take onto the rugby field that you felt made you a better captain because you captained the team or a better individual player? Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'd like to think that the Christian faith that, that I had and, and the way that then translates into the person you are, um, you know, the fact that I was extremely hard worker, the fact that I was extremely disciplined, um, the fact that I didn't want to die wondering how good I could be, um, that I never felt I'd attained. Yeah. You know, even when we won the World Cup in 91, you know, I can still remember in that changing room before the celebration started, I mean, we talked about, we reflected that we hadn't really got it that right in the World Cup. You know, we beat England by, you know, scoring one lousy try and basically defending our line. You know, we when you pull on that gold jersey, you want to win in style. You know, five, six tries, interchange between forwards and backs, yeah. 40, 50 metres out. So even when we'd won the World Cup and got to the top of the Everest of rugby, we are looking forward to 92. South Africa coming onto the world stage for the first time after apartheid, um, a three-test series against the All Blacks here in Australia. So what I talked about earlier about, you know, Paul wanting to continue to grow as a, and mature as a Christian, I was very much like that in sport. I, I never was satisfied individually where I was or collectively where the team was. And I think that was very, very important. Um, you know, so just all that hard work, discipline, continually trying to perfect my performance and, you know, never being satisfied with where I was. I think there was probably a lot of rub off from my Christian faith. Conversely, from the rugby side, and, you know, I talked about when I met you at, at church a couple of weeks ago, I talked about understanding the importance of process and how we had to change the culture of the Wallabies from you know the team that was what I called scoreboard focused, desperate to win. You know, in the late 80s when I took over the captaincy and we were very inconsistent to changing the culture to what we call being process driven, understanding what is process in your game as an individual and collectively as a team uh, in the 80 minutes and everything that leads into the preparation for the 80 minutes and, and the culture you build. And so, you know, to, to cut to the chase, you get the process right, the scoreboard looks after itself. And again, I think in my Christian life, um, get the process right. What is the process of maturing as a Christian? It's spending a lot of time in the Word. I mean, the Word says faith comes from uh, hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing from the Word. You know, there is a process to growing as a Christian. It's spending time with God. It's spending time in prayer. It's spending time in meditation. It's always remembering to be you know, thankful for things, thankful for all things. You know, that's, that's a really important thing in a Christian walk, um, to be praising. You know, I'm not very good at, you know, praising and worshipping you know I'm not the world's greatest singer and what have you but it's important the Bible says you know praise sing um, you know be thankful to God and so it's all those things that go into maturing as a Christian and just like you know from a rugby perspective we became a very consistent team because we understood process you get the process right you know my game everything that goes into my game as a, as a number nine as a scrum half minimize the errors trust the guys around me to do the same at the end of 80 minutes, as difficult as it might be when you're playing a World Cup final, but look up and see what the scoreboard tells you. Don't be conscious of it during the game. And we found that we became an extremely consistent team. And so I try and look at my work life. Um, I try and look at my Christian life, understand process. From my work life, for example, it's not trying to be everything to everyone, understanding that I have a particular role to do here at Taurus Funds Management. 
surround yourself with people who are really good at other stuff. Um, concentrate on what you're good at. As I say, I call it the finders, minders, binders and grinders. You know, work out what sort of person you are and do that really well. Surround yourself with the people here because we invest and lend in global mining. So the geologists, the engineers, the people who love you know, getting into the technical due diligence, the people who love doing the financial modelling, the people who love writing the 40 and 50 page credit papers. I don't, I'm not good at it. Yeah. Um, but I know that I can do a particular role. And so get the process right. Um, and the scoreboard looks after itself. And so from, yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot in, in work, in my Christian walk and, and from sport where there's a lot of interaction. Yeah, and that's not, I suppose, taking care of the process is in itself a process. Sure. You, you, need, to, you need to work at that. So yeah. with, with um, the Wallabies, there was that time when you still weren't winning games. There was like the, the Oh, look, we, the we, we were winning look. games all the time, um, but... The following week, we could be hopeless. We could be great and then hopeless. And that inconsistency, if you're going to be the world's best team or you want to be the world's best scrum half, you just can't have that. Yeah. You know, all the great teams in sport or the great individuals, the reason they're great is because they're consistently good. Yeah. But I suppose there the, the goal is not to be the greatest team. Yeah, and, and as I said, I mean, people would often say, well, was there a vision, was there an objective to be the number one team in the world? Well, that was the outcome. Yeah. But it was to be the best team that we could be. Yeah. And never being satisfied with where we were. And I'm happy to say when I stopped playing in, in 93, we were that team. You know, so, I, you know, I got out at the top um, and I'd lost a bit of the passion to train and to work hard. So I knew exactly when it was right to get out. Yeah. You know, and remember, it wasn't my livelihood. Um, it was an adjunct to my life. Well, I, sp- I suppose that comes back to that rebalancing that we were talking about before. Sure. Other priorities start to... Absolutely. I mean, I had two young kids, so it was just a perfect time to move on. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it forever. Mm. Uh, although you still look like you could get out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Yeah, looks can be deceptive, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and with the process, I suppose for a in a Christian context, that process is praising God, being kind to one another. Well, hopefully being kind to one another and looking after one another is a natural consequence of your Christian faith. Yeah. Because what the Bible effectively talks about is it wants Christians to reflect and look like Jesus Christ. That's exactly what it wants people to mature as such that they'll look like Jesus Christ. Now, what did Jesus Christ do on his 33 years on on this earth? You know, have a look at what he did. He went out and healed everyone he touched. He went out and turned, transformed people's lives. He went out and blessed people. He went out and, you know, basically um, took 12 guys off the street, away from their fishing nets and what have you, and transformed their lives into people that would set up the early church. I mean, it's quite amazing when you look at some of those people, the hacks that he... He grabbed his, his <laughs> disciples and, 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 you know, I mean, Peter even denied him and said he'd never deny him, but of course denied him, you know, the three times you know, during the, the crucifixion and what have you. And, and, you know, Peter was absolutely down and out. And yet that man went on, as you can read in the book of Acts, and just did amazing things. And, you know, one day spoke and thousands of people came into the early church and, you know, his shadow would just his shadow would, would heal lame people, um, you know, and that transformation. And so that's that's what we're supposed to look like. And so you don't, you know, I don't go, get up and think, oh, I hope, yeah, of course I do. I, I want to be a blessing on people, but I don't I don't sort of think, you know, I, there's going to be 10 people I want to touch. It, it's just got to be a natural part of your life, you know, that you're out there and you're a blessing on people and that you look after the needy, and and you've got a heart that is, you know, really caring for people. And as I said, I mean, I don't blow the trumpet about it, but I think <laughs> my wife and I have, have have got a reasonable track record in that regard. Yeah. But as I said, there's much more in front of me. Yeah, the best use. Which, which I'm excited about. Yeah. There's that one side to, to being a Christian, which is going out and doing good, preaching God's word. But there's the other side, which is sort of taking solace within God. Um, and in everyone's life, people go through hardships and, sure. and, and you as well. Yeah. No, I had a pretty tough year last year in a number of ways. Yeah. yeah. How, how, does, uh, how does God come to you or how do you approach God 
in some of those situations of hardship that enable you to find that solace and get oh, through. Oh, look, Jack, I, I think it's, I mean, it's probably a difficult question to, to, to answer, but I, I know that there's always mercy and grace and there's always comfort. And that, um, you know, that even the most difficult things can be turned around for good. I mean, the Bible talks about that. Um, you know, if you're going to be a believer in the in the gospel, you're a believer that there's, you know, the devil out there and he's always looking to kill and destroy and and what have you, and, you know, you can see that in a lot of people's lives. Um, but I'm a huge believer that nothing is impossible with God and that all things can be turned around for good, uh, as the Bible talks about. And so even even when tough things come, and, and as I said, the Bible doesn't... There's nothing in the Bible that says you become a Christian, you get the red carpet rolled out. Yeah. It, it will become very challenging at times. Um, and the Bible talks about being persecuted, um, look at Paul's life. You know, he was shipwrecked a number of times. He was thrown into prison. He was beaten. You know, he was he came within inches of death a number of times in, yeah. in setting up the early church and preaching and encouraging the early believers. Um, and he went on to write in the Bible that he counted them as light afflictions. Um, and, and that gives me great encouragement because, yep, things can come against you, but if you can see them as light afflictions for the greater good of learning from mistakes, of transformation in lives, um, of being able to demonstrate that things don't knock you over. Um, again, you want, I want people to look at my life and say, well, he's resilient. You know, he's, he's, he's been knocked about a bit, but he's resilient and, and I can see God in that life. Um, that's the best way. You, you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about preaching. Now, I don't preach. Yeah. Um, I'm not a preacher. Again, you've got to understand your limitations. You've got to understand your calling, the finders, minders, binders, and grinders. Um, but I want my life to be a demonstration of, um, of the goodness of God in my life and in my family's life. Yeah. You, uh, you talk about being a, a, a grinder and working hard. No, I'm not a grinder in that sense. I'm a finder and a minder. Right. But when it came to sport, because I grew up swimming twice a day and then when I couldn't swim because I was three hours on a train, being a middle distance runner, I was natural for the discipline of hard work in sport. Yeah. There's, uh, there's the famous story that goes around that, that while you were at Newington, you played in the second 15. Well, in my final year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was always an inspiration when I was at school, if, mm. if you were playing second 15, someone would always say, oh, there's, there's, there's still hope for you. Look, yeah. at, look at our greatest captain that's played. Oh, well, Phil Kearns was just after me at Newington too and he only made the second 15. Yeah. But no, I, I hope that is an inspiration, you know, on the occasions that I've done speech nights and spoken to students and what have you. You know, it, it's just a story that you don't have to be a standout if you're prepared to do the blood, sweat and tears, if you're prepared to, as I call it, the Gucci factor, long after the price is forgotten, the quality remains. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to die wondering, you know, and you're prepared to do the hard yards, um, you can you can go from, you know, sort of, you know, I was a good sportsman. I captained the A's right through Newington. It's just that there was a better guy in my final year than me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can you can go after your dreams. You can... You can aim high and of course it doesn't have to be sport it's music it's drama it's your, your vocation that you pursue anyone through hard work and a focus and 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 thinking big and you know connecting with god i think is important um you know nothing is impossible and but it's going to take a bit of as i said long after the price is forgotten there's a price to be paid but as i said 27 years into retirement i don't remember the price that's well forgotten yeah. i just remember the price Sorry, the, 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 the quality. The quality. The quality of pulling on that jersey, of travelling the world, of, of the mateship that it gives you, but also the winning. You know, you sometimes get remembered or your team gets remembered because you're good. And I'd much prefer to win the World Cup than run second. You know, it's, I've got no regrets. And it's, it's, it's good in life not to have regrets, you know, that you know you, as I say, squeezed the lemon and got the drops out. Mm. Working, working hard isn't... Um specific to Christians, obviously. Um, there, are, there are many other people out there that work exceptionally hard that um, are not believers in anything, I sure. suppose. A lot of those people are very successful in what they do because yeah. of that preparedness to work hard. But do you think that your Christian faith gave you an extra 
uh, an extra something, an extra X factor that... Yeah, I look, I, I don't know. Hopefully, as a, as a captain, I think it probably helped. Um, just, you know, in your emotions, in your the way you, you deal with people, in your, the, the balanced life, ho- hopefully, you've got, um, you know, that the winning is important, but it's not everything. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't pray for victories apart from the 91 year. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew it would be my last World Cup. And, yeah. And I actually did want, I, I, you know, I, I did want God involved heavily in that, and and I, you know, I, I prayed for success, as did my wife, as did my mother-in-law. Um, it was really important, and I, I feel very much that God was in that. Um, if you, we won't go into the detail, but if you look at, you know, some of the results and the great escape against Ireland in the quarter-final, I, I feel very much that it was a part of my destiny, yeah, my, my Christian destiny. Um, that then doors would open. Um, that that I could be used by God to um, to speak, to talk, to be a witness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that try that was scored in the second last minute against Ireland, mm. you you can almost see the hand of God there. Yeah. Well, Jack, if if that try wasn't scored, I, I would have retired. Um, I would have had a lot of regrets, um, and we would never have really reached our potential. Yeah. So that would have been the end of my career. I, I can't imagine that I would have gone on. Um, just, I, th- I think <laughs> I would have been destroyed. Um, I, I went off in the 20th minute of that game, so I, only, only, I was sitting in the stand yeah. watching that. Um, and I'm sure I would, have, I would have probably just called it off. And, you know, I, I would have thought, look, I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good captain. I would have handed that in for starters. And then I suspect there's a good chance that I probably just would have stopped football then. So life would have been quite different. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what can happen in the in, sure. those, in those short moments. I Call think. it destiny or what have you. But look, as I said, I, I'm, I'm sure God was in that. Yeah. I think uh, I think I saw an interview with John Eels where he was said after Ireland scored the try to get ahead that he started worrying about his dry cleaning back in. Yeah, uh, he did. He did. Yeah, the great John Eels because he put his dry cleaning in and it was a Sunday morning. Um, no, sorry, it wasn't Sunday. It was a Saturday, but we would have been on a plane on Sunday. Um, and his dry cleaning, of course, wouldn't have come back till Monday. So, so yeah, that's the first thing he thought about um, as a young 19-year-old. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's interesting, just the emotions and what have you. And I still bump into Irish people around the world who always remind me of that. Yeah. But they claim they came second because we only beat them by a point mm. and then went on to beat the All Blacks and England by more, so... Because, in the typical Irish way. Yeah. And that, um, I was watching a replay of that game last week and uh, you're playing at Lansdowne Road, which is in Dublin. Mm. And it's an absolute cauldron. When Ireland scored the try to get ahead of you, the crowd is going yeah, well, insane. Pitch invasion, as you may recall. And, yeah. And yeah, they did go insane because, you know, we were obviously expected to, to win and win quite well. And Yet there I was sitting in the stand saying, when are we going to put them away? I mean, we always led, but when are we going to put them away and you know, get out of range? And then against the run of play, you know, you know Gordon Hamilton scored. Um, and thank God Michael Liner, who'd taken over the captaincy, was calm and just basically told the guys, this is what we're going to do. And, and they did it and they executed it and the rest is history. They got it done, yeah. Mm. It, you say that if that, if you'd have... If you'd had lost that game, you would have been just. I suspect so. I think I just. Yeah. Yeah. I I just. Look, you get one crack at living. And, um, you know, whilst you can have your ups and downs and turn things around and transform things, you know, um, it's important to do well. It's important to win the big ones. Yeah. Um, And and particularly from a sporting perspective, there's, there's so many people that, you know, probably go to their sporting grave not having achieved everything that they desired, everything they wanted. Um, you know, you can look at all, so many sports people around the world that, um, you know, just never, never really attained their, their, their capability. Yeah. And yet, you know, the 10 years that I played, yeah, there was tests that I still remember we should have lost. I talk about the British Lions series in 89, um, a couple of Bledisloe Cups, but, Gee, though, I, I don't think about them. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, um, the 10 years I played, I 
generally speaking, was pretty good. And, and I, I, individually and collectively as a team, we, we achieved most of what we went after. So, yeah, it's, it's nice. I don't think about it a lot. Um, of course, I don't think about it. But it's just nice to have more Ws than Ls yeah. um, against the scoreboard. Yeah. In general, general society these days, a lot of people are are becoming less, well, there's certain religious groups that are becoming less and less keen on the idea that God has a very active hand in the way people go about living their lives. Um, the, the analogy that is used is that God is sort of a, a watchmaker. He, he sets the time and then just lets it run and doesn't have an impact on setting the time again. Mm. But the Christian view and I suppose it probably would be your view, is that God does have quite an active role. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just read the Bible and, and you know, look, look at, in the Old Testament and New Testament, look at, look at God's involvement with people, you know, from, from the early days of Abraham and the importance of faith and the importance of trusting and the importance of believing in him. And, and you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to get yourself prepared physically and spiritually to get in a relationship where you've got that faith and trust and and you really bring him into your life and you let everything in your life have God's involvement in it and what have you be but I'm a I'm a huge believer you know the 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 faith that I've got and and the maturity of my my relationship that God wants to be part of everything in your life and, and he wants blessing for you you know, he wants blessings out of all things. Yeah, things will come against you. There's no doubt. And the Bible, you know, warns and talks about persecution. And, you know, it's not going to be just a, an easy, rosy ride. Um, but he is interested in every aspect of your life, um, you know. And, and I believe, and, and my wife and I constantly pray over our household, over our kids, protection, blood of Christ to protect them, um, bless them, you know, that they'll be able to interact with people and be a blessing on other people you know we spend constantly times in prayer and meditation and you know for our country for our church um, you know for our leaders um, because God wants to be one involved in your life and involved in the well-being of our country and our towns and our churches he wants to see things thrive and you know it's really important just to continue to look at the principles of, of the Bible, you know, because it's easy to get in fear, it's easy to worry, it's easy to get in anxiety, but that's the opposite of faith. And you need faith to God to be activated in, in your day-to-day -day walking out. And so it's it's really important just to, you know, the, the Bible talks about being strong and courageous. You know, three times he told Joshua because it was going to be a challenge. It's going to be times where... It looks like everything's against you. It looks like you know to to take your people into the promised land to go after what I've pro you know I've said you've got. It's going to be bloody hard, um, and life can be bloody hard. And yeah. it's very easy to get in fear. It's very easy to get into worry. But again, it's the opposite of faith. And so you've got to put that stuff beside you and trust that God will deliver on His promises, and He promises blessing. And I want I want to live a blessed life because <laughs> yeah. if I live a blessed life, I can bless other people. You know, you can't be a giver in life if your pockets are empty. Yeah. You know, and so just understanding the biblical principles that are in particularly the New Testament um, and, and the need to apply those. Again, it's sort of, it's a bit like the process. Get the process right and, and the scoreboard will look after itself, but it's not easy and it can be very challenging at times. Yes. I suppose the flip side to that is the, the devil that also has has an influence sure and it's very well that's where it's really important that you have that discipline of you know if the holy spirit's telling you something the holy spirit's telling you to carve something out of your life to change things and change isn't easy believe me i know it yeah i'm, I'm often not that good at it i'm pretty stubborn but when the holy spirit's telling you to do something things work out better if you do it yeah well <laughs> i suppose how, how do you um this this is a, a tough question for anyone. Yep. But how do you go about discerning wh what's the voice of the Holy Spirit or what's the voice of? Oh, look, I, I I'm pretty sure that you know if I can be listening to a, my pastor on a Sunday church. I can be reading the Bible. I can be in prayer, 
and I'm pretty sure that I, I know when the Holy Spirit's saying, you know, this is for you. Yeah. This message is for you because you know deep down that there's stuff that, you know, your life could go better, you know. And it might be just, you know, for some people it's, and, and thankfully I, I don't suffer from this, but it might be just watching too much damn TV <laughs> yeah. and, and wasting time and, and reading crap, you know, rather than spending more time in the Bible, you know, spending more time, you know, in the things that I've, I've talked about, of growing your relationship. I mean, it's, it can be as simple as that. Um, so many of us just get involved in stuff that, you know, it's not going to be fruitful in your life. Um, you get one crack at this. And, and, and for me, I, 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 that comes pretty naturally. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love taking notes in church and I know when things, you know, go to my heart. And I know that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I know when I wake up early and I'm spending time in prayer and meditation and what have you, and something in the Bible jumps out at me. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. Just working within you and you can feel that sort yeah, of drive to... Absolutely. So it's sort of separating the inner wheat from the chaff. Absolutely. And, and look, everyone should pray that they get that discernment, you know, that, that God gives them that. I mean, it's, it's important. I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul spoke a lot about it in his letters to the early churches, um, about hearing from God and hearing from the Holy Spirit and really getting an understanding of his love and what that involves. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't think it's difficult yeah. if, if you're fair income. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I suppose is... Uh, That's the important thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which know, is hard in and yeah. of itself. You know, because, I mean, there's, I, I think there's a lot of Christians, and it's not a huge criticism, but there's a lot of Christians who, you know, say they're believers, but, but never really focus on maturing as a Christian of, of um, you know, of, of have a real desire to, to become more Christ-like. Yeah. Just happy with the status quo. And that's not a real criticism. It's it's pretty natural, but maybe it does come from, you know, sort of parts of my sporting background where I was always determined to to see how good I could be. Just and it's not to it's that that's from a sporting sense and, and I don't I don't go after trying to mature as a Christian to put myself on a pedestal. It's just a natural part of my Christian faith. Yeah. And it sounds like also a natural part of your determination to be the best yeah, person I mean, you can be, rugby yeah. player, Christian. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want, you know, sort of chiselled on my tombstone that, not that he was, you know, Captain Australia, but that he lived a life where he touched a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And to kids, to kids growing up these days, there is, I suppose, as we were talking about right at the start, it's probably similar to when you were growing up. There's There seems to be... Um, a lack of involvement of, of young kids and of people sort of pushing for young kids to get involved in a church mm. and to f- hear the word of God and, and feel the Holy Spirit working within them. What what would you say to kids 18 and younger? Let's yeah, I say? mean, I, I think it's it's important to get into church. It's important. I mean, you, I, I, I hear what you say, Jack, and I agree with you to an extent. But if you go to some of the big Pentecostal churches, I mean, they're thriving. Yes, and, sure. And there's young kids who are just loving it and going out and touching people and bringing people into the church and doing a great job. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's reaching out to those people. It's, it's, you know, when you're younger, you're more likely to be attentive to things of God and spiritual things than when you're older. So it's important that, you know, biblical messages are taught and preached and spoken about. Um, and, you know, I just spoke recently for, you know, the SRE and the importance of, of Christian teachings in schools. What's the SRE, sorry? Uh, that's special religion, religious education. Right, yeah. So, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of people that are opposed to that being taught still in schools. Yes. Um, and parents, I think, can opt out, but I just think it's really important in the modern day that we still give every child the chance to hear the gospel and to make an informed decision. Because I suspect in the modern day, a lot of kids don't get that chance. And so I just think it's really important that, that everyone does get that chance to make a decision, an informed decision on, on aspects of God. But, you know, it can be challenging. I mean, there's no doubt that, that there's a lot of... Um, 
in in the modern day, you know, with all the social media, that there there can be a lot of challenges of people of, you know, stepping out and you know expressing their faith openly, particularly younger people. Um, you know, they can, and that's why you need safe places. That's why you need people to feel, you know, comfortable to be able to to talk of their faith and to express that and share it. Um, because it's harder in the modern world, I'm sure, than when yeah. I was growing up. What do you think is one of the key messages, especially in this day and age, for, for some of those young kids? Oh, look, I just think that tolerance is a really important thing in the modern age. I mean, I think, you know, hopefully as a Christian, tolerance will come naturally. I think not being judgmental. Um, it's very easy to be judgmental in the modern day. Um, yeah, so tolerance and, and lack of judgment are really important features in young kids that I think we're, we're losing a lot of. Um, just, you know, when I talk about tolerance, just understanding other people's views, understanding other people's beliefs um, and accepting those for what they are and not being critical. That's part of the judgment that I talked about, um, being open to things. Um, you know, I say to people who aren't, who aren't believers um, and, and who are interested in things of potential faith and whether God's real, it's a pretty simple message. I just say, look, just say a small prayer, even though you're not sure where it's going. Um, just challenge God. Genuinely, just challenge God that if you're real, reveal yourself to me in small ways. I mean, often that's what I say to people who are not believers, but who are interested to know if God, if there could be a God, if there, you know, what, who was Christ and what have you. I just say, just you might be interested to see what happens. If you seriously just say, God, I don't know if you're real, I don't know if you're out there, you certainly haven't been a part of my life, but I want to know if you're real, make yourself, reveal yourself, come into my life. Um, and I, I, I find it amazing if, you know, the number of times that people have come back to me and said, yeah, I did pray that, and it's amazing what happened the circumstances that happened and the people that I met and who all of a sudden jumped into my life and the need that I had. I mean, to me, it's pretty simple. Don't complicate it. Just ask God if, you, if, you, if you're real, reveal yourself. Yeah, come to the table. But, but genuinely say it and then be open to it. Yeah. And I suppose that's, that's one of the big inhibitors these days is there is a general... Um, well, there's a general scepticism. I mean, people, people in the modern world, I think people can really, and particularly if you don't come from a Christian or a church background, people can really struggle to, you know, in the busyness of the modern world and, you know, the, all the fear mongering that goes on to, to really understand that there could be a God in all this. Um, and you know, too often people will say, you know, the old the old line that you know, well, why do bad things happen? It's, it's sometimes hard to tell people, well, God's not in that. You know, you've got to remember that the original sin broke the relationship between man and God. Yeah. And so there was a person that was prophesied about three hundred and fifty times in the Old Testament who actually turned up and fulfilled all those prophecies in every way. And he was God's answer yeah. to reconciliation. Um, that God always had a plan for reconciliation. In the Old Testament, you had the Passover, um, where sin could be passed over. But in the New Testament, you know, if you accept Jesus Christ, you get reconciliation with God. You go back into right relationship with God. You are seated at the right-hand side of God alongside Jesus Christ. You are an heir, and an equal heir of Jesus Christ. I mean, these truths are hard to accept. But God always had a plan to restore the relationship that, that he had before sin came along. It, it, to me, it's not hard to, to, to see the absolute truth in that um, and God's plan through Jesus Christ to give us right relationship with God again and everything that then that brings into your life um, and how special that is and how that can be used positively and to live a blessed life and then to be able to bless other people. To me, it's a really simple truth, um, but that comes from years and years and years of hearing it. You know, I love listen, listening to Christian messages. I love hearing great 
preachers. Um, I, I like reading Christian books. I like getting into the Bible. Um, and so that, that comes from years and years and years of, of hearing and hearing and hearing the truth of the gospel. And so I get to the stage where, as the apostle Paul said, I am fully persuaded. Yeah. But him saying that towards the end of his life, it, it gives you an indication that he wasn't always fully persuaded. But he got to a stage of his relationship with God that he was absolutely 100% fully persuaded about the love of God. And, you know, he lived it out. He walked it out, you know, just like the disciples saw Christ do the amazing you know, miracles. They witnessed it. They saw it. They saw the way he lived his life. And then they went on to and, do similar things. And even after then, you get Peter denying. Sure. Which so is quite amazing. Yeah. Um, and so it shows that... It takes a lot of time. It, it takes a lot of time. I mean, you know, in that Last Supper, you know, Jesus was explaining the truths that this is it, guys. This is what it's all about. I'm about to be killed for the world, for for to bring back. I am the, the, the ultimate sacrificial lamb. You know, I lived an unblemished life. I didn't sin, um, but this is what it's all about. He was trying to explain it to them tonight. And then they didn't get it. And they were t- arguing about who's going to be the, you know, the greatest in the, in the kingdom and what have you. They just didn't get it. And it wasn't till, and, and Christ thankfully you know, told them, you know, go to the upper room, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the day of Pentecost. Yeah. But it was then the, the power of the Holy Spirit that then transformed their lives and enabled them to go out and do the mighty things in setting up, establishing the early church that you read about in the book of Acts. Yeah. And so it is a, it is a very difficult road to travel, but you would attest that it is undoubtedly worth it. And I reckon I'm halfway down that road. Yeah, right. Um, Jack, um, there's a lot of things that have to happen between now and when I exit. Um, and I'm pretty confident that there'll be positive things and that will enable me to mature more. Yeah. Yeah. So I do become fully persuaded. <laughs> well, Nick, I'm conscious of the time. Um, and so we might wrap it up there. I sure, think that's Jack. a good place. No, no good to with, meet and uh, good to chat. And Jack, I, I haven't asked you this, but I'm assuming you're a Christian. Um, you haven't revealed that. I am, yeah. Well, yeah. Give me a thumbnail sketch of your journey. Um, so I grew up in a Catholic household. Yeah. Um, and I've always been pretty persuaded, but I think I got to a stage where I was about um, 14 or 15 where yeah. I thought, if I'm going to believe in this, I really better know what it is I'm believing in. Yeah. And so I, at that point, took quite a deep dive into um, into the Bible, into yeah. theology. Great. Um, and then at uni, I started to explore some different ideas, but never rejecting where I'd come from. Sure. So always believing in the truth of um, that sort of Christian background. Yeah. Um, but started looking into Islam and Buddhism sure. and Hinduism and started finding good teachings coming from those. Sure. But now I'm just really into and enjoying going out and talking to people such as yourself okay. and just hearing their, their stories. Terrific. Um, because... Uh, religion, quote unquote, is only a lived experience of someone. Yep. And the only way to really understand what it is to live a religious life is to talk to people about sure. uh, what that means. Yep. Um, uh, it's got to be shared. Yeah. yeah. There's stuff that you, you know, you, you, you keep yourself, you bottle up and what have you, but life's to be shared. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm trying Fantastic. to do. Fantastic. Well, it's yeah. great to catch up, Jack, and nice to talk and we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Thank you very much, Nick. Pleasure.